0: My family spent 20 years on the run, fleeing from threats I
1: still struggle to fully comprehend.
0: There's people out there that want to do us harm.
1: We got a phone call saying that your father's thugs were coming to break my legs. Run,
0: hide, repeat the unbelievable true story of a
1: fugitive family
0: and the unimaginable truth of what we were running from. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless. Before we get started, I just want to give you a heads up that in this episode, we're going to be talking about sexual violence. Earlier this week, a trial was scheduled to begin in the case of a man accused of sexually assaulting seven women in the Calgary area. But the trial's been delayed. Richard Mantha, who also goes by the name Poncho, is accused of drugging, raping, kidnapping, and assaulting his alleged victims, all of whom were working in Calgary's sex trade. CBC Calgary reporter Megan Grant has been covering the case, and she's here to tell us about it. Hey, Megan, thanks for coming on Frontburner. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's start with the alleged victims here. So. As it stands, Richard Math is facing charges related to seven women, and that that number, the number of charges and, and and his alleged victims, has gone up since the original charges last spring. And I know the the names of these women are protected by publication ban, but but what can you tell me about them?
1: Yeah, so basically, these are all very vulnerable women. They are women who, at some point, were working in or maybe still are in Calgary's sex trade. Hmm. And they all at some point as well frequented what's known as the Forest Lawn Stroll. So it's this area in Calgary uh, known uh, to be frequented by sex trade workers. And that's where a lot of Johns will go if they're looking to to pick up women. And what Richard Mantha is accused hmm. of doing is kind of using that area as a sort of hunting ground And so a lot of what we know comes from unsealed court documents, documents that uh, the media fought to have unsealed. Mm -hmm. And in those documents, a lot of what's included are interviews with these women. So Mm -hmm. women who told police, you know, about their drug addictions and about their interactions with Richard Mantha.
0: So we hear about this a lot. Um. Predators preying on, on vulnerable sex workers in areas like Forest Lawn. I'm just wondering if you're hearing things from people who are part of the scene.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and and you know, most of my contact has been with one of Mantha's alleged victims who, you know, has, has shed a bit of light on mm. what her lifestyle was like. But these charges were laid last April. And so there was a bit of a word of mouth situation going on around that time about mm. Richard Mantha. Some of the women, um, you know, had told each other about their experiences with him. They, they called him poncho. They would talk about poncho, avoid poncho. And so, you know, these women came up with rules for themselves. Some of them, you know, would only work during the day. So there really was a bit of a, a community already on edge by the time these charges were laid.
0: Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, I'm assuming that when you're talking about this one woman you're talking to, you, you we can't say her name because of the publication, but you refer to her as Avery in your reporting. Is that who you're talking about?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's Avery. And so um, Avery on and off has worked in the sex trade. She's dealt with um, drug substance addiction mm-hmm. in her lifetime. Um, and she knew uh, this man called Poncho, who mm-hmm. we now know is Richard Mantha. He was an acquaintance of hers. And and back in April of 2022, he actually offered her to do some manual labor at his place. And so he was living um, about 30 minutes east of the city. So she took him up on that. And she says that she arrived, understanding that she would be doing some of this manual labor, not sex trade work. But once she arrived, she said she was um, attacked by Mm -hmm. Mantha. She says she was uh, sexually assaulted, beaten, um, stabbed. And she fought back. She says she ran through farmer's fields to Mm. get to the highway. She described sort of as she was running, feeling like she was being sucked down, pulled down into the ground. Mm. So she believes she was drugged. There are charges now that reflect that police also believe she was drugged at the time. She got to the side of the highway and was discovered kind of bloodied and injured at the side of the highway by a passerby who was able to – uh, get her to a hospital, get her some medical help. And yeah. um, she she kind of credits that incident with um, helping her to get c- clean. So within a few months of of this incident, she says she turned her life around. She's been clean for over a year. She's out of the sex trade. She hasn't touched drugs or alcohol in over a year. It was a few months after that that she actually got clean. and And within those months, she described... Um, Being back in that area on the stroll and um, she was threatened that, um, you know, if she went to police, bad things were going to happen to her. Um, Now, she she says she was threatened by women that she believed Mantha had approached and Mm. paid to... Um, you know, come in and issue those threats in, in order to keep her from reporting to police. Mm.
0: And and we should point out too that, that that this woman, Avery's experience, this is a lot of the stuff is described in court documents, but these charges, the, the charges we're discussing, these haven't been proven in court yet. I d- That's right. I just think it's worth mentioning that. Uh, I, I wanna I wanna go back to I, I know that there's a there's an advocate uh group in, in Calgary for, for sex workers called SHIFT. Do you do you have a sense of whether they've commented on the case or not?
1: Yeah, so um, um, quite a few advocacy groups came out after the announcement of charges and um, really just called this the tip of the iceberg. Um, You know, the organization talked about the violence and stigma facing Mm -hmm. sex workers, you know, kind of in hopes that the community would really see what these women uh, were up against. And Mm -hmm. so they came out, they applauded the courage of the women who came forward and spoke to police Because typically, historically, there has not been a great relationship between police and sex trade workers, but it it really seemed like in this case investigators kind of tried to build relationships with the women. They treated them as victims and humans, not criminals as, you know, maybe they had tended to do in the past or as often the women were afraid they would be treated as. Mm So, you know… Shift came out and, and really praised these sex trade workers, but so did the police. A, mm. cu- a couple of times in their statements, police thanked the women for their courage in, in coming forward and applauded them.
0: And I think just to, 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 kind of, to put a finer point on how vulnerable uh, some of Mantha's alleged victims are, I, I understand one of the women t- has actually since passed away just, just living on the street.
1: Yeah, that's right. And we have to be really careful about how we talk about the circumstances because we can't, e- even in death, the publication ban on uh, sexual assault complainants' identity um, holds up. And so, but yeah, in the last couple of months, uh, one of Mantha's alleged victims died in, in quite tragic circumstances in Calgary.
0: Okay, so so let's talk about the accused now. We're getting a, a better sense of who Richard Mantha is, what he's accused of having done. What, what do we know about him? Can you lay that out for me?
1: Yeah, sure. So he's 59 years old right now. He will turn 60 during the course of the trial if we get there. Um, he is originally from Quebec but had been living on this uh, rented rural property near an area called Chestermere. That's about 30 minutes east of Calgary. Um, so he has these French-Canadian roots. Um, I think I also mentioned he went by the nickname Poncho. That's right. how a lot of the women knew him. Um, frequented the forest lawn stroll. And last spring, both Calgary Police and RCMP were looking into complaints from local sex trade workers. And that's how they sort of started to um, build this case.
0: Um, now, now he's, he's facing a lot of charges. And, and one of the things I've, I've noticed just kind of, Every news story had a new set of charges related. So they've kind of been growing. So I was hoping you could maybe you can kind of just sum up what exactly he's accused of in, in this case.
1: Yeah. So this case actually sort of starts with Avery, that woman I was just telling you about. So she's kind of victim number one, if you want to call her that. So um police initially laid charges against Mantha um, and accused him of sexually assaulting her. <laughs> Um, they ended up re-examining that mm-hmm. um, once more women came forward and, and laying additional charges like um, admi- administering noxious substances, so mm-hmm. accusing him of drugging her. But that's that's basically what he's accused of doing is, um, you know, getting women to his property or into his car or to a hotel. Mm-hmm. He's accused of offering them beverages that um, police suspect he had um, drugged in order to, you know, cause them to pass out or not be able to move. And then he's accused of um, sometimes assaulting, but in every case, sexually assaulting these women. Often um, some of the, the charges, if you read them, involve uh, accusations that he used a knife or a gun. Mm. Um, and so really, yeah, like you mentioned, so it's it started with one victim and then, you know, more women came forward to police. So now we are up to uh, seven alleged victims who all pretty much tell police a similar story,
0: and 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 I'm curious uh, about his relationship with them. The woman you talked to, Avery, it sounded like there was a you know an ongoing you know relationship of some sort. Is was that typical of his other victims?
1: Yeah, I mean, keep in mind these women are often drug addicted. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are experiencing issues with homelessness. Um, they all pretty much were in positions where they needed money and so some of them had regularly scheduled appointments Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term with him and it seems like there are allegations that his behavior may have sort of escalated so it's not necessarily that you know they were having the same experience with him every time Mm -hmm. but um, yeah some of these women uh, it was not a one-off that they had uh, interactions with Richard Mantha.
0: I think the thing that really struck me when I was, I was reading your latest report on him, I, I, I was just kind of struck by some similarities to uh, Robert Picton in BC, who, you know, obviously one of Canada's most horrific serial killers. There, there were just, it just, there were some similarities. We've got this really vulnerable population of sex workers as alleged victims, a rural property, uh, some the violence and threats that seemed to be escalating. And then there was this weird, like really disconcerting detail of of uh, a pig mask that Mantha apparently wore. Has that have you been thinking about that comparison at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Picton, uh, known as the pig farm killer, mm-hmm. accused in the deaths of dozens of vulnerable women, many mm-hmm. of them sex trade workers. Right, ultimately convicted of, I think, six murders, but uh, for sure accused of many more than that. RCMP seized thousands of pieces of potential evidence when they raided Robert Picton's Port Coquitlam Pig Farm in 2002. Picton was convicted of killing six women. The DNA of 20 other victims was found on the
0: farm. But in 2010, Crown decided not to try Picton again because he's already serving the maximum sentence.
1: Family- um, so last spring, when, when we hear of this five-day search mm-hmm. on a rural property, um, you know the homicide units involved, the missing person units involved. Police have brought out cadaver dogs, um, and then you know they make this announcement of all these charges.
0: We have charged one man in an investigation into the alleged kidnapping, drugging, and
1: sexual assault
0: of multiple women in the Calgary area.
1: Police say there. I think at that time there were four alleged victims, um, and all of them from the sex trade in Calgary. Uh, I think, of course, the f- one of the first things that people were thinking was it, it sounds a little Picton-esque, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then, as you mentioned, there's this disconcerting detail about the pig masks. So some of the women told police that Mantha would drive up and down the stroll after he's accused of assaulting them, um, wearing a pig mask oh, and God. threatening them with a gun, you know, in theory to keep them from going to police. So, yeah, all that really made people kind of concerned that there were some picked in aspects going on here.
0: Well, well let's talk more about that property search. You, you mentioned you mentioned that uh, back in the spring in April, I think the, the police carried out this extensive search of the, the place where Mantha was is staying. C- can you give me a better sense of that that spot?
1: Yeah, so this was a five-day search. It went day and night. It involved uh RCMP officers, Calgary police, dozens of investigators. You know, at night they would have floodlights set up. I think I mentioned there were cadaver dogs, um, mm-hmm. members of different police units involved. Um, they were searching um the outbuildings, the the property itself. Um there was this large Quonset on the property and inside of that Quonset there was a fifth wheel trailer. So that's where Mantha had been sleeping. Now, the folks that he rented off of did not know that. They believed he had rented it as a storage facility. Mm. But um, yeah, he had a trailer there and that's where some of these women say that they were taken and where he's accused of some of these sexual assaults.
0: For folks who aren't familiar with Quonset Hut, just a a huge kind of outbuilding, right? A big kind Mm -hmm. of... uh, you know, cavernous, uh, steel-roofed building, right. All right? So, so what did what did what did that search turn up?
1: Yeah. So um, we know that police collected over a thousand pieces of evidence. We don't know, you know, the details on on each piece of evidence. We know they were looking for um, bodily fluid DNA samples that they could gather. You know, in theory, to be able to prove who was there. We know that based on what some of the women told police in their interviews with police, that they saw you know piles of women's clothing mm. um, on the property. So, you know, I'm sure that that was that made up part of what police sees. They were looking for that pig mask, um, just those key pieces of evidence, which also included videotapes. Right. Um, some of the women said that they woke up from you know being drugged, suspected. Uh, druggings, to find Mantha not only sexually assaulting them, but also videotaping it.
0: Okay, so so he's now facing about two dozen charges related to these seven alleged victims we've been talking about. The case was supposed to start on Monday. That's that hasn't happened. So so what, what's causing the delay?
1: Right. So the big delay here is that his lawyer wants to make a severance application. And so what that is, is as you mentioned, there's seven victims. They were set to all be tried together. All of the allegations were gonna go before one judge in one trial. <laughs> And now his lawyer wants to separate each of the victims. She wants to run seven different trials
0: with 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 separate
1: judges separate judges,
0: yeah the the other thing that's that struck me is that he's also requested Matthews requested to have a trial in French. He's got the right to do that. He's a francophone. What I'm wondering is with seven separate uh judges all in french is this like is this just a delay tactic or what's the rationale here?
1: I mean. I can tell you that um, Avery, the victim that I have had communications with, is feeling that way, that it's a delay tactic. I can tell you that she feels his English is very good and there would be no need for him to have a a French trial. um, And and that maybe there's a feeling that he's trying to exert some control wherever he can in this process. Um, In Alberta, as I'm sure you can guess, we don't have a huge... French population. So a French Mm -hmm. trial is somewhat uncommon for that reason. This trial is taking place in Alberta's provincial court. (laughs) We have a handful of provincial court judges who are French-speaking, bilingual, able to conduct trials in French. But um, certainly we don't have seven in Calgary. I don't know if we have seven in the province. So, you know, if this is granted, that will be something that will, you know, they'll have to figure out.
0: I'm curious what the prosecutors said about this idea of uh, seven separate trials.
1: Yeah, so she will be arguing uh, for one trial and um, a huge reason – there's many reasons. A huge reason for her, she said in court on Monday, is that multiple trials will mean that these women are going to be forced to testify mm-hmm. multiple times. Yeah, you know the crown expressing some concern about kind of traumatizing these women over and over again. Okay,
0: so so Megan, we're we're recording uh, midday Wednesday. These proceedings are underway, but it you know it, it's unclear you know, what the schedule is. Do, do we have any sense of of when we're expecting to get this trial underway?
1: The judge has already indicated she would strongly like to give her decision Friday morning mm. and then proceed to trial right after her decision. So it looks like if everything goes according to plan, the trial will actually get underway Friday with a witness. So No matter what the decision is, whether it's to proceed with one complainant or all seven, Mm. um, the judge wants to make use of this trial time that's been set aside and plans to get it going on Friday.
0: Okay, we'll be watching uh, as it develops. Thanks so much, Megan. Really appreciate you coming on. You're welcome. That's all for today. I'm Damon Fairless. Thanks for listening to FrontBurner. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.